Abba Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you that you are good and awesome and magnificent. And I pray that you would open up our eyes to see, open up our ears to hear, and open up our hearts to understand what you would have for us today as we begin this journey with Abraham. In Yeshua's name, amen. 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 Well, once again, it is a pleasure to uh, bring the, the message with, to you today. It's kind of, uh, you know, some people have labeled this Torah portion or this passage as the call of Abraham. And, you know, there's the term, the call, we kind of make it seem like it's just in ministry only or the five-fold ministry and not that everyone is called, but we know that everyone is called to something, mainly to salvation, to Yeshua to know Him intimately and to know Him purposely. And then allow Him to live through you to reach out to others in whatever realm that may be. It could be work, it could be schools, definitely your home, your neighborhood. Wherever you're located, there is a place that He wants you to minister to people. And then He will also show you how to do that. We don't have to figure this out by ourselves because many of us, we know we've got quote-unquote this call in our life, and then we try to go and do it, but we don't ask Him, okay, what's the next step? We try to figure this out on our own. And then we finally realize, you know what? If He's got a purpose and plan for my life, then that means He probably knows how to go about and incorporate it or institute it. Amen? And it's okay to speak up. Amen? Amen. Alright. So we'll begin in Genesis 12, but... Verse 1, but uh, if you go back a little bit in chapter 11, when we first are introduced to Abram, that's what his name is at this point in the scriptures. Abram, eventually he'll be called Abraham. And he was in, let me pick it up, verse 29. Then Abram and Nahor took wives for themselves. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran. He was the father of Milcah and Isaac. Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terak took his son Avram, his son Haran's son Lot, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Avram's wife, Avram's wife, and they left Ur of Kazdim, the Ur of Chaldea, to go to the land of Canaan or Canaan. But they, but when they came to Haran, they stayed there. Terak lived 205 years, and then he died. Chapter 12, verse 1. The interesting thing, too, sometimes when we go to verses and chapters, it kind of seems like there's a break here. And so, the first, depending on your translation, this one says, Now Adonai has said. Some say something different, like, but, but most of them say now. But if you look at it in the Hebrew, it's vav. There's a vav here, which means and. So when you take away the script or the chapter and verse numbers here, it would be, he died, and Abraham and Yahweh said to Abram, Get yourself out of your country. Now this Torah portion, if you're studying the Torah portion, going through the Torah portions, it's called Lech Lecha. It's just too simple. Do you have the med, uh, Marker. markers? The Lech Lecha, and it's where did we get the translation, Get yourself out of your country, Lech Lecha. But if we want to really break it down, it's walk your walk. That's the simplest 
before him. And the Adonai Yahweh is saying to Avram, walk your walk, I will be with you. Because Avraham is going to learn more about faith. And as we journey with uh, Adonai Yeshua, our faith is to increase, is to grow, is to mature. As we experience God along the way. See, God is a God to be experienced, not just know about, know intimately, but also to experience. To allow His, to allow his life to work through us and to live through us. And desire Him so that others may want to be drawn into that same relationship that we have. Not because of who we are, but because of who is in us. Is drawing Him to us. Thank you. So, I'm taking Hebrew lessons next week. I can see it. What's up? <laughs> Uh, I thought we were, we could have fun today. No, I can't see it. Well, that's because I'm in the way. It's a lamed a cough, a final cough. A lamed a final cough, a lamed a final cough, and then this is these here, this and this are vowel points. Lech, lekach. And when you got the ka on the end of the word, it generally means your. Either singular or plural. Okay? So, this, if you study this, this is walk. Just the simplest form. A way of life. It's a way of life. That's what our walk is. It's a way we live our life. Right? Thank you. Cool. Thank you. We'll try it over here. How's that? Cool. Thank you, Gabe. Lech. Lecha. Yeah. Most translations say get out. But it's the simplest form is walk. Now, how many of you heard the term halak? That's where that, where they believe this comes from, meaning the walk. The teaching, the way we live our lives. It's not just, you know, putting one foot in front of the other, but it's also the way we conduct our lives in the area where we live, where we live, where we work. Those things. How people may be drawn to Yeshua oops, through us. I don't want to fall. I've already done that once. Yeah, yeah. yeah we don't need another <laughs> So, you know, the thing is, is we're going to go on a walk with Avram now. Over the next few months, or the coming weeks, who's ever uh, teaching the, you know, Genesis 3, we're going to be going on a journey, a walk with Avram. And through the, his walk, we can also learn how we are to walk with the Almighty. And we don't have to do it ourselves, because somebody has gone before us. And that's good news, because how many of you like being pioneers? Because pioneers blaze the trail. Right? They're the ones that mark the path and go through and go places where nobody has ever gone before. And many people who be, began and gone to missionary or missions in the places where no, where the good news has not gone are pioneers. 
And Edith and I have been able to do that in Uganda. We've gone in villages where we were the first white people, Mzungus, to go. And you scare the little children because they think you're ghosts. <laughs> Amen? But eventually they warm up. But this walk that we're on, keep in mind that it tells us that let's go on. Get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen, away from your father's house. In verse uh, 2, or verse 1, I'm sorry. And to the land, I will show you. I will show you. Now the interesting thing, he tells us, tells Abram to get away from the land, your kinsmen, your relatives, even your father's house. In other words, that sphere of influence that could, be, uh, could hinder your walk. Get away from it. Allow God to remove those things. Let Him show you what you are to remove from your life, which could be a hindrance in your relationship to Him and your walk. And there are things. This, the Scriptures are synonymous. The land, the Scriptures, and the people are synonymous together because think how important the land is. Wherever you live, how important is the land you're on? Especially at that time. Yeah. Amen. How important it is. No matter where you're at today, that land, you're attached to that land. That land is important to you. And how you cultivate it, how you nurture it, and what you do with that land will make a difference in your walk. Now, I know you're already on a journey and you're just in your minds. You're... Let's see, what does he want me to leave behind? Amen. And that's between you and God. But the good news is he's with you every step of the way. He goes on to say, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you will be a you are to be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, but I will curse anyone who curses you. By you, all families of the earth will be blessed. Now remember, this is a man and a family here that are living in a place that is full of idolatry. Idolatry was well known at this in the land in that time, everywhere in that area, not only in the Chaldees, but down in Canaan. So it's not like he's getting away from idolatry. He's going from one place of idolatry to another place of idolatry. But he's following the one true God. But I always wonder when I first read this and when I, when I see this, what was that conversation like that he had with Sarai? After he had this conversation with God. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're leaving. Pack it up. We're out of here. What? Going on a safari. Yeah. I, I mean, what do you mean? I heard a voice. What voice? <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear another voice. <laughs> I don't know. You know? All I know is I was just minding my own business. And the next thing I know, I hear these words. You gotta go. You gotta go. Can you imagine that conversation? Because we know how important security is to women, right? It is very important that they feel secure in their lives, relationships, whatever, but security is very important to them. But here, he's in this land, Abram's in this land of heathenism, of idolatry. And there's all these voices he's probably hearing between his family, the physical voices, and he hears this voice saying, 
you got to go. But I will show you the land. And when you go, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you, but all, all families will be blessed because of you. And later on in this chapter, we'll see a, a nation that blesses Abram, but also curses Abram, because the word curse means to diminish. Means to make light, to take away. Let's go on. So Abram went. He went. How many of us, and it's important, don't get me wrong, when we know God is telling us to do something, we pray first. Nobody? <laughs> and it's important. But do we do that because we want to seek more direction, or we do that, now wait a minute, God. Please. You know, there was a song I remember years, years, years ago, please don't send me to Africa. Where lions and tigers are such. But I have a heart for Africa. I think gone to mainly. And so, but he went. He went. We'll, we'll learn that Abram, Abraham was a man of action. He took action. It doesn't mean that every time he took action, he was perfect at it, that he did the right thing, but he did take action, as we will learn later. But he did take action. So he went, as Adonai had said to him, verse 4, by the way, and Lot went also, or went with him also. It's kind of interesting. Wasn't he supposed to leave his relatives? But Lot went along. Hey, I'm just along for the ride. But go back and remember, Lot's father died. And so now he became Terok's responsibility. And now Terok has died, and we can look in the scripture on that, so did Lot fall to Abram's responsibility? It's a good question, right? But he went along. And we know later on as we study these scriptures, as we study the journey that Avram is on, eventually Lot and Abram split. They divide. Lot goes. And where, eventually where do we find Lot? Yeah. And yet Peter says he was a righteous man. He went, Lot went also, verse 5. So Avram took his wife Sarai, his brother's son Lot, and all their possessions. Oh, wait a minute. He, now remember Lot, or I'm sorry, Avram, 75. All the possessions which they had accumulated, as well as the people they had acquired in Haran, then they set out for the land of Canaan and entered the land of Canaan. <laughs> He took what he had, his possessions, and obviously he had means. To acquire these things meant he had means because that is how they would determine one's wealth, if you will, by their possessions, not how many zeros in their bank. As long as there's a one or something in front of that zero. <laughs> but it was just all zeros, you know. But in that day and age, and even today in all reality, people are, it's uh, by your uh, possessions, your accumulations of really what true wealth is. And it's relationships. 
It is health. It is sound wisdom. It is mental, emotional wealth as well. Or healing, not just money, not just land or possessions, but it also means your personal things, such as your mental and emotional health. Ever been around somebody that's kind of come unhinged? My computer, I have a laptop that I use, and one of the hinges on the right side broke. So I've been telling people my computer came unhinged. But I didn't. Right? But it still works. So some of us may be unhinged, but we're still working. Amen? But God wants to heal us and help us to get on track with Him. Walk with Him on a daily basis. Follow His voice. Be led by Him. Walk in this faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 6. Auburn passed through the land to the place called Shechem. And Shechem becomes a, a place in the Israelite history. Shechem means shoulders or rise because our shoulders rise. It can even mean neck. Because it's between the valleys. It's between the shoulders, the head. That's what it means. And remember in uh, Isaiah says the government is upon his shoulders. Check them. To the Okamore. That's, that's one of those interesting words. More. How many of you are familiar with the Hebrew word Yira? You know what that? Are you familiar with that? No. Good. Glad you're not. Are you? Yes, I am. Amen. I'm glad you are. Amen. Actually, it means fear. Oh. Oh, you didn't want to hear that, did you? No. But not so much fear in a bad sense, but. Fear of the Lord. Absolutely. Right? So it's a yud, a resh, and a bob, I believe. Yira. And that's in verse what? Okay. Uh, it's it's uh, just a second. I'm, I'm building paint on. Because I'm more. That's the, what I said, more. I don't know if you guys can see that too good back there. How many of you are familiar with the Hebrew word Torah? Yeah. yeah. So these are all connected. Yeah. Teaching, instruction, that's what Torah means, teaching and instruction. Moray means teacher. So the oak is, we got oak trees in this country? They're pretty strong, pretty tall. How many of you like those little acorns all over your yard? And they bring this, what? Oh. <laughs> and then I know you can make butter out of it, right? Something like that. They don't taste good when you eat them raw. But keep in mind, <laughs> I've never eat them raw. <laughs> And they're like, is it like eating a raw olive? It makes bitter. It makes your mouth. Yeah. You ever eat olives off an olive tree? Yeah. Oh, man. Don't do it. 
But, you know, the oak more, the place, the strength of teaching. Because oak means strength. It's a symbol of strength, of tower. Because they can grow and become big, right? So this place, and remember, in this journey, this walk we're on, hopefully you understand you're being taught every step of the way, and you're learning from everything we do. Because we can even learn from our mistakes, and hopefully we do. Or we could be like the Israelites that went around the mountain how many times? And before he, he always said, you need to go up. You need to go up there in Deuteronomy chapter 2. Go up. You've circled this mountain enough, it's time to go. Time to get out of here. Once again, we can circle a mountain so many times that we build a moat. And then we can float our boat. The Canaanite were in, been in the land as well. Verse 7, Adonai appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants, Lezirecha, to your descendants, to your progeny, to those who will follow after you, I will give this land to them. Now I want you to notice, in those first seven verses, how many times we see the words, I will. Six times. But it was conditioned upon Abraham going. Leave your country. Leave your relatives. Leave your father's household. And I will show you the land. Then he says, I will make you a blessing. Right? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And he goes on to say, I will give them this land. I will. Now, how many of you are familiar with 2 Chronicles 7.14? What is that? What is that verse? Okay. So the beginning is if, right? If my people... What does that word if mean in the English language? Maybe. Maybe? If I get around to it? And the Hebrew word is key. A kaf and a yod. And it can be translated as when as well as if. So when my people... Not if, but when. Changes the whole understanding of that verse, does it not? Yes, it does. Because we're going around through life with ifs. And it's a big word, if. But when we get around to it, what happens? Things change. So sometimes, he always prefaces it in the way we read that a lot of times in scriptures. If you will do this, then I will do this. But if we change that word if to when... You do this, I will. Amen? Amen. That's good news. Amen? Had another thought, but it just went... It'll come back. Verse, going back to verse 7, And I appeared, so we heard, he heard his voice, and now God appears. Now, it's possible that God appeared... To Abraham, when he was in Ur of the Chaldees, it just doesn't say. He just heard this voice, and now God appears to him. 
appeared perceived. It's, per, it's a perception. It's a knowing. It's an understanding. It's looking beyond, going back to the oak tree. When we look at an oak tree, what do we see? Shade. What about depth of insight? What is that? Wisdom? Yeah. But how many of us, when we look at an oak tree, we see the potential in the oak tree that it can be used for lumber, for cabinetry, to build houses, furniture, excuse me, furniture, for warmth? See, you know, we've got to look beyond what we just see in the natural. So uh, imagine this, picture this. Here's a man, he's got his family, and he is now heading to the land of Canaan, and he has really no idea what's in store for him. What's ahead? All he knows is, is he's got to go. But he also knows that God said, I will show you. So he's taking that and trusting God will fulfill his word and show him this land. And he goes, not knowing where he's going. But he's walking in faith. He trusts the Word of God. He trusts God in this journey to a certain point. Uh, let me pick it up to your descendants. Hebrew is there, to your seed. I will give this land so he built an altar. To Adonai, who had appeared to him. So he built an altar, a place of worship. Because remember, altars were a place of worship. A place where he would connect with God. A, a place where he worshipped God. And in our homes, hopefully, we have that altar. Not necessarily a physical altar, because our heart is the altar. But a place where we meet God on a regular basis. Wherever that's at. Your, if you got a, a room set aside for that, your uh, chair you sit in regularly, wherever that place is where you want to meet God in your home, because that's where it's got to start in our homes. Not out here, not out there, but it's got to start in our homes, because that's where he was, that's where the journey begins, is in the home. That place where, as an individual, as families gather together to begin to worship God, and however that looks like for you and your family, is between you and God. Good thing we don't have to offer up animals these days. Amen? Amen. I fainted blood, so we'd be in trouble. <laughs> I fainted when they pulled my teeth at five. So, you know, there is this place where we are to meet God. And wherever Abram went, he would build an altar. He would have this place where he would meet with God knowing even though God was always going before him, he was his rear guard everywhere he went, but there was a place when he came, he would build an altar and give thanks and praise and worship God, specifically, purposely. Now, verse 8, he left that place. <laughs> you know, sometimes you can just run with certain phrases in Scripture, at least I can. But when you leave that place, that place where you worship God, make sure you're it's time to go. Don't get in a hurry. And I've said this before many times. We come to God and we have our prayer list. Right? Right? Bless this. Do this. Thank you for this. Da, 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 da. We say amen and go our way. 
but don't listen. We don't take time to listen to what he has to say or has he answered those prayers. When we ask God, give me divine wisdom in this certain situation, and we say amen and we go our way. Maybe we ought to just sit silently first and let him speak to us and then pray back what he says. And then listen as we go about our day. Because once again, throughout our day, it's, we need to know and understand his voice. To hear that still small voice behind saying, this is the way you should go. Learning to develop that, that importance of hearing God and listening to him and allowing him to, to guide and direct us. Because he is the authority. He is sovereign. And we'll begin to see more of his sovereignty, sovereignty as we begin to study more of Abraham's life. His sovereignty in all these things. And that's, he's awesome. Uh, verse 8, he, he left that place, went to the hill east of Baal, the house of God, and pitched his tent with Baal to the west, and Ai, and I call this artificial intelligence, AI, to the east. And uh, if I remember right, I gave you say east over represents going away from God. Right? But he pitched his tent there with the house of God to the west, Ai to the east, he built an altar. There again, we see this altar. He built an altar. And called on the name of Yahweh, Adonai. He called out to him. He made it a, a, a daily, he made this a regular habit in his life. He called. He spoke, he asked, he sought. However that looks like. Whatever that means to you. But he called. And sometimes in our calling, sometimes in our prayer life, we're, we're, our words or our, there's tears that were cried, the cry of the soul, the dark night of the soul. We're just crying out because we really need answers to the situation we're in. And, or we're crying out for somebody who is going through a difficult time, a health issue or whatever. And we're, we're just crying out, pouring out our heart like Hannah did. When she was praying for a son there in the temple. And she poured it out. It's kind of interesting about Hannah. When she prays, she kind of flips it. If you will, I will. She says, God, if you give me a son, I will give him to you. She flips it on him. Took him at his own word. If you will give me a son... Or when you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And when the child was weaned, what did Hannah do? But gave the son, Samuel, and brought him to the temple and he served under Eli. Interesting. And she, <laughs> she cried and prayed until she got a word. Until, because remember, Eli... A first accuser of being drunk. <laughs> Get away from your wine. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not drunk. I'm just pouring my heart out. And then Eli says, whatever you prayed for, go in peace. It will be done for you. Eli had no idea what she was praying for, but he spoke a word over her. And we know later on, she became the mother of Samuel. 
And she followed through with her vow, her oath. Verse 9, Then Abram traveled on, continuing toward the Negev, but there was a famine in the land. And we see and we know for most of us, and we'll begin to see and begin to understand, that famines play an important role in God's purposes. <laughs> we see that here. We'll see it in Isaac's time. We'll see it in Joseph's time. We'll see it throughout scriptures. I believe it's in Amos, where it says in the last days there will be a famine of hearing the word of God. And there was that famine. And, you know, the famine's still going on because how many people are not hearing God today? As I say a lot of times, just because you're in the garage will make you a car. Because, you know, in our daily walk, in our daily journey, in our daily lives, there are a lot of voices. In our daily journeys, there are a lot of things going on that can distract us from hearing God's voice. Because we're busy, caught up in whatever we're going through. We're all there. We're all, and it's not necessarily a sin or you're guilty, it's just the way life is. But throughout the day, somewhere along the line, how many times have we stopped and then prayed to God for direction or an answer or a situation because we didn't know what to do? And that's good. But if we can learn to develop the habit of hearing His voice throughout the day, and hearing this is the way you should go, you might be surprised how many things might go better for you. Just simple little things. Just His leading. Walk by His Spirit. Walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? Mm -hmm. And it's a daily journey. It's a daily thing. It's not a one time, once all, it's daily taking up that quote-unquote cross and following Him. Denying ourselves daily. Laying down our own ambitions. Our own dreams. Now, He may have you pick them up again, but allow Him to help you resurrect those things. There's nothing like living a resurrected life. Let's just soak on that a minute. Just marinate there. Amen. Verse 10, But there was a, a, a famine in the land, so Abram went down into Egypt to stay there because the famine in the land was severe. You know, anytime... How many of you ever uh, had the thought may not be truth, but had the thought, where is God? Yeah, we, it's there. It's, it's, it's not like any of us are immune from that. It's just, but how many times have we gone throughout the day, where is God in all this? Where are you, God? I don't understand these things. I need your help. And he's silent. Have you missed the mark? Or is he wanting us to draw closer to him? Because all these events that we go through in life, all these events that we see Abram go through, eventually Isaac, Jacob on in through to the end of Revelation, is to draw people closer to him, to draw people to that place of salvation, to draw people to him and allow him to work through us 
to others. Because how many of us use that term, God is using me? Right? You might want to rephrase that and say, God is working through me. Because how many of you buy used stuff? <laughs> Just saying. Verse 11, when he came close to Egypt and was about to enter, I find this interesting, this next dialogue he's going to have with Sarai. He said to Sarai's wife, here now, I know you're a good-looking woman, but so that when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. And they will kill me, but keep you alive. Hmm. What happened? He has just been on a journey. He left his country. God has been with him. He's built altars in two different places. Now there's a famine, so he's going through a test here. As we go through tests, and all of a sudden, he says to Sarai, you know, we're going into Egypt and... Uh, you're good looking. But they're going to kill me because of you. How would you like to hear that, wives? <laughs> Comforting, right? <laughs> but what is God up to? Because that's a question Edith will ask me, and I'll ask Edith a lot in whatever we're going through. What's God up to? What's his purpose in all this? Because is not he the author of what we're reading? Is not he orchestrating things? Who, who do you think is the cause of famines? You know, our, our go-to guy is the enemy. Ah, uh, he's doing this. Well, what does Scripture say that happens when you obey God? What happens? If you disobey, what happens? Right? But what is going on here? What is God wanting Abram to learn in this? To trust him. Amen. It's pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> we get into this eschological, theological, big, long answers. Da -da 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 and we lose half of the people about three words into it. And when it's just, I just want you to trust me. And that can be a challenge. Because we don't see him as we want to see him. But he's here. And every time we look at each other, we should see him in us. You're a good-looking woman, verse 12, so that when the Egyptians see you, they will say this is his wife, uh, and kill me, but keep you alive. Please, say that you are my sister. But later on, we'll learn that when he goes through the same situation with Ambimelech, he reveals that Sarah is his half-sister. So that it will go with me <laughs> for your sake. This is all I knew, babe. So that I will stay alive because of you. And when we first read those words, they're not very comforting in all reality. Here's a man that by faith left 
He obeyed God, left, and now comes a test in his life. First a famine, now they're in Egypt. And he says, says to Sarai, let's just tell him this half-truth. Yeah. Because I don't want to die. It's the bottom line. Now how many of us have heard an answer from God, has seen God work, and then the next moment blew it. It's a common thing. So we see that these men, these women of the Scriptures, are like you and I. They go through their ups and downs. They go through their struggles. They go through their testing. They go through their trials. And how they respond, how they, what they do during these times makes a difference in their lives. Got that deer caught in the head look like. <laughs> now it's kind of interesting. Uh, I don't remember I heard this or what uh, where it came about, but the Egyptians did have some morals. They did have some, even though that we know they worship many gods. That they believed in the sanctity of marriage. So they didn't believe it was right to take another man's wife. So how they got around that was just to kill the husband. And now she's a widow. Hey, fair game. So that's kind of the, the history behind this. But he's putting this, he's kind of placing the responsibility, as I'm reading this, on Sarai. The only way I'll stay alive if we tell them you're my sister. So once again, sometimes we'll trust him for this. We don't trust him for this. Remember when Yeshua, James, and John, and Peter went on the Mount of Transfiguration? And while they were up there, there was a, a man who brought his son to the other apostles, disciples below, and wanted them to pray that this uh, son would be delivered from a, a, an unclean spirit, a demon that would throw him in water, throw him in fire. And when they came back down and they saw the commotion, Yeshua asked what's going on. And then the man says, well, I've asked these guys to pray for my son, but they couldn't do it. He's still tormented. And Yeshua asked, well, do you believe? And the father said, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. So that's a key for us to ask when we're going through those moments of doubt to ask for help with my unbelief. Verse 14, When Avram entered Egypt, the Egyptians did notice that the woman was very beautiful. Pharaoh's princes saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, so the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. He treated Avram well for her sake, giving him sheep, cattle, Male and female donkeys, male and female slaves, and camels. So see, here we see that Pharaoh did bless Ophram, right here. Gave him all this stuff. It was like the bride price. You're going to when uh, Abram's servant goes and gets a bride for Isaac, getting Rebekah, and loaded up with ten camels. So, 
God is true to his word. Those who bless you will be blessed. And if we study Egypt in this period of time, throughout the ages, up until a certain period of time, they were the most powerful nation in the world. They had an army that was stronger than any other army. Remember during uh, Jacob, when Joseph was in Egypt, how this nation blessed all these other nations because there was grain in Egypt? But for the rest of the story... Verse 17, But Adonai inflicted great plagues on Pharaoh and his household because of Sarai, Avram's wife. Pharaoh called Avram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her for my own wife, or to be a wife eventually, now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go away. So Pharaoh gave orders concerning him to his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So all of a sudden, there's Pharaoh blessed him with all these things, but he also cursed Abraham when he took Sarai, his wife, because he wanted to diminish, diminish Sarai. Because keep in mind, going back to the promises, to the word that God had spoke to Abram at the beginning of this is that you will be a great nation. And all families in the earth will be blessed through you. So if Sarai is no longer his wife, that means he's got to get another wife. But that wasn't in God's plan. The promised seed had to come through Sarai as much as it had to come through Abram. It was... Both of them, not just the one. It wasn't just Abraham's call, it was Abraham and Sarai's call. Their journey, their walk, they walk together. If two walk together in agreement, there I will be. It was for both of them, not just one, but the narrative... The way we read it, it's all about Abraham, but Sarah's in the background. She is just as important as Abraham is. Because sometimes that's how we see it. We just see it that way. But once again, let's see it through God's eyes. Let's look at it through God's eyes instead of our own. So I encourage you as you go through the journey as Abraham's life and Abraham and Sarai and all these players over the next few months, weeks, look at them afresh. Look at them a way you've never seen them before. Ask God to help you to see things you never saw before in the scriptures. Every time you start a Torah portion, you just go through the Torah portions year in, year out. Always ask Him to open your eyes to see something new in the Torah portion that you didn't see last time. To take you deeper in your understanding, in your walk. And don't just read through it, but let it read you as well. Let it read you. Because the scriptures are sharper than any double-edged sword. It'll sharpen, it'll pierce soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It will judge the intentions, the attitude of the heart. So when we read scriptures, when we study scriptures, and when we put it into practice, be a doer of the word, and not just a hearer only. It's piercing us. 
He's showing us His love. He's showing us the things we need to leave, let go of those influencers that cause us to fall short, that cause us to stumble along the way, and allow Him to lead and guide us in this walk that we all get to go on. This is not just for the select few, but for those who are willing to lay it all down for Him. Whatever that looks like. Bless you. Amen. So, like I say, I don't know about you, but for me, the, the, the walk, the call, the journey, life with Yeshua, there's no better life. A life lived for Yeshua, there's no better life. And I'm, gonna, I'm not sure. I got about, I, I've overran my time. But there's something I want to show you that's outside of this. And then we'll get ready for the, the kid, uh, kiddush. Yeah. The other night, Edith and I were watching a, a documentary, a film, about a young boy. He was about five years of age. And everybody that spoke about this young boy said he was always had a smile on his face. He was a delight to be around. He enjoyed life. And he was always had a good sense of humor. But one day the father and him around on a four-wheel, and the, the four-wheeler turned over, and unfortunately the young man died. And, you know, that it will tear a family up. But because of their faith that this family had, they, they were able to work through it. This happened back in about 2008, I believe it was. And, yes, yeah, it's a true story because they actually showed footage of the family. That's what it was about, the actual family giving testimonies and showing film of the son throughout the ages. And this little boy had this term that he liked to use flame on. That was his favorite saying. And whenever they were out doing something and the father would kind of slow down on that four-wheeler or whatever they're doing, he would say flame on, in other words, pick that up, go faster. And they got it from where it says, you know, fan in the flame, the gift that was given to you when Paul told that to Timothy. But as I'm looking at this, I noticed it's there's seven letters, right? Yeah. And so, what is that? And what does the menorah represent? Light, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Oh, we can get my flames going. <laughs> it's interesting that this young man said flame on, meaning pick it up. Is our flame still burning? Have we let the lamp go out? Do we need to add some oil 
Because you've got to have oil for the lamp to burn, do you not? I don't know, I didn't hear you. Right? So it encourages us all to flame on. Now it's interesting, the word your, if you look at that in the Hebrew, it's the same spelling as or, which is light. It's just a different, the Bob is pronounced as a U instead of an O. Yes, yeah. Light. It can also mean fiery furnace. Amen. Hopefully you're all a fiery furnace. That you got you're you are just a light into this dark world. A blessing to others. And not a curse. And you're full of love. You're full of hope. You're full of goodness. You, you got the fruit of the Spirit. You got the gifts of the Spirit, whatever that looks like for you. But flame on. Flame on. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you never give up on us. You never leave us, nor forsake us. No abandon us, nor fail us. You are there wherever we go. Help us to flame on. Help us to be a light into other people's lives. Help us to let the love, your love, flow to us, in us, and through us to others. Your light to come to us, to be in us, and out to others. Your joy, which is unspeakable and full of glory. We just ask you, to work through us in our workplaces, in our homes, communities, wherever that may be, whatever that looks like. That people will sense there's something different about us and want to be drawn to you. That's part of that walk that it's different than what the world would want you to do. It's different than what your family may see. It's different than what's been going on in your father's household all these years. But God, you're with us every step of the way, and we thank you and praise you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen.